our 11th episode of the IE Ion Industry Podcast, we've sat down with Clayton Wood, CEO of Picnic. Picnic has created the first of its kind, intelligent, end-to-end automated assembly platform for the pizza industry, otherwise known as a pizza-making robot. Clayton and the Picnic team have married deep learning with the insatiable desire for high-quality food to produce a product that meets pizza lovers' finicky tastes, all while reducing waste from the industry's usual 10% to Picnic's impressive 1%. We'll talk about how Picnic is helping to solve a series of problems in the labor market, We'll also talk about how toppings are data-rich and how mining topping datasets can be used to improve the integrity of the pizza itself. Clayton walks us through how the RAS, or robotics-as-a-service model, can be utilized for pizza makers of all types, even the corner pizza joint. Please join me in welcoming Clayton Wood. Clayton, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. So before we get into it here, I wanted to ask the most important question, which is what is your pizza of choice? <laughs> um, you know, my, my uh, tastes have varied over the years. Right now, I'm uh, sort of a supreme guy, as, as many ingredients as I can get on there. All right, well, well that's good. I thought you were going to say something insane that had pineapple on it, which is <laughs> say something I will still never understand. But that's good. we've actually we've actually used that as an interview question before just to get a gauge on who we're talking to if they uh, <laughs> like hawaiian pizza or not it uh, doesn't very... necessarily rule people out but uh, it means you may need to keep an eye on them <laughs> it, it definitely tells you they're from the west coast because that, that wouldn't fly here out east um so everyone who's listening to this podcast will have heard a bit about picnic and what it is you guys do in the introduction but i think before we begin maybe you can start and tell everyone about what the genesis of this idea was Sure. So Picnic was founded on the idea of a bunch of engineers wanting to do an automation startup and food service is a great place to do automation because food service jobs are difficult. They're uh, tedious, sometimes dangerous, uh, very high turnover uh, in, in food service. And pizza in particular is a, is a food that takes a certain amount of skill to get it right and a certain amount of training. And because it's not a, a very pleasant job to make making pizzas, you end up with a lot of turnover. You end up with undertrained workers. So you end up with inconsistent pizza and badly made pizza and a lot of food waste. So it's a real problem for operators. And so it's a great place for automation to come in to make consistent, high quality product. You, you touched on a number of things I'd like to delve into uh, into more detail. But I think before we get there, I suspect everyone listening has a sense that the pizza market is a large one, but maybe you mm-hmm. can give us a more precise figure. What is the TAM in the global pizza market? And maybe what is the size of the U.S. pizza market? Yes, the U.S. pizza market, uh, overall market is about $45 billion. Uh, I think it's probably 150 to $200 billion worldwide. And uh, there's 76,000 pizza restaurants in the U.S., uh, but our system goes in any place where you can make pizza. So we're out looking, you know, between one and 200,000 potential places to put our system. And in fact, I was just answering a question for uh, someone the other day, just the, the big customers that we're talking to right now uh, represent a potential uh, ARR of about $460 million. That's clearly a large, large market. But if you had to stratify the market, say, between the frozen pizza makers like the Elios and the McCain's and then you know, your average pizza joints in, in town, how does that market sort of break down? Yeah, so it's very top loaded. Um, 
the top 100 pizza restaurants, you know, that 76,000 restaurants in the US, the top 100 are probably 60,000 of those. The top three are probably 50,000 of those 60,000. So it's, it, you know, the, the top brands are very heavy, you know, Pizza Hut and Yum, I mean, sorry, Yum, Pizza Hut and Domino's probably represent about 40,000, 50,000 by themselves. And then get you all the way down to, uh, you know, number 10 is about a thousand locations. And then it really falls off lots of people with a few hundred locations, lots of regional chains um, and lots of smaller chains with five to 10 locations and then a ton, a ton of independents. And who are you guys targeting in, in your market? Is this mostly the manufacturers cranking out say, you know, the, the 20,000 pizzas a day or is this for the local pizza shop? This is really for the local pizza shop, but it's also for small scale manufacturers. What we're, the niche we're filling is there's for decades, there's been large scale industrial uh, pizza production for frozen pizzas, you know, 300 pizzas a minute um, making, but 300 pepperoni pizzas a minute. Um, what's missing is there's nothing at, at the restaurant scale for automation where our pizza can make, our system can make hundreds of pizzas per hour, um, which is a restaurant scale. Um, and our system makes custom pizzas. Every pizza is customized size, shape, and toppings. Uh, so it's ideal for a restaurant. It's also modular and configurable. Um, so that's really where we're looking. Uh, where you can put this is any place where you make a pizza. So of course it's pizza restaurants, but it's also uh, food service contractors who are operating in stadiums, airports, uh, arenas, convention centers. Um, and it's also nowadays convenience stores. Convenience stores are getting much more into fresh food. Um, and we're seeing a, a lot of interest in that sector. So one of the main, well, I guess, switching gears from the market side of things to the to the product a bit. One of the things our manufacturing GMs and lean manufacturing experts in our network uh, do frequently are time studies, and you, and you sort of alluded to this previously about how how many pieces your machines can make. And I'm wondering if you could can break it down for us. How many how many pieces can your machines make relative to say your average solo pizza maker? Sure. So uh, a a skilled pizza maker can make a, a, a relatively complex pizza in about 45 seconds. That's kind of an industry benchmark. That doesn't mean there aren't videos of people at, at the uh, pizza expo making one in 15 yeah. seconds, but 45 seconds is a good benchmark for, for an experienced maker to make a, a quality pizza. Um, in that same 40, our system takes maybe a minute to make a pizza. So a little bit slower than that skilled pizza maker. But once that first pizza comes off our system in one minute, we've got four more pizzas already in progress. Whereas the guy making the one pizza in 45 seconds, he finishes it, he's got one pizza. We've got five pizzas in progress. So it's really not, for us, it's not about the single pizza, it's about the volumes of pizzas. And when we've had uh, investor receptions and customer demos, it's always a surprise for nobody to be busy, but you start, you get distracted and you look around and suddenly every surface is filling up with pizzas because they're just coming out of the system every few seconds. Well, I also suspect, given the consistency of the machine, that the cost of poor quality is relatively low and that rework for users of your machines is likely to be minuscule. And I'm wondering how your customers view this aspect of this. I would imagine that they're they're generally thrilled, but do you have any figures about what pizza makers lose to waste annually? Yeah, from what we've seen, the industry average is about 10%. Um, and that 10% is significant because the most frequently wasted ingredient is cheese. Cheese is the most plentiful ingredient on the pizza. It's also the most expensive ingredient on the pizza. And so when you waste cheese, which is easy to waste if you're not skilled, because um, if you, 
pizza inexperienced people make pizza makers tend to make the pizza they want rather than the pizza that's on the recipe say hey they like cheese cheese is delicious you put more cheese on um, but that actually affects the way it cooks doesn't make a great pizza wastes a lot of money uh, we've talked to operators who are spending three to five hundred dollars a week in wasted food um, our system we're targeting one percent or less in uh, food waste and so we see that as a as a big value uh, that the operators are going to get and I can tell you the number one reason we get from all the customers we talk to, the reason they're interested is consistency. It's not about labor savings, but of course they want that. Of course they want to increase margins, but they want to make a consistent product because if you have a branded pizza and you can't make it consistently because your workers get the proportions wrong, there's no, there's no brand there. There's no reason for a customer to come back if they don't know what pizza they're going to get when they make the same order repeatedly and they get a different pizza every time. I've never made pizza or at least good pizza. Um, but I would think that there's some sort of cognitive switching cost to the maker in terms of making, say, a meat pizza versus a veggie pizza and the way in which toppings need to be arranged for consistency and taste, which you, which you just alluded to. How did you guys experiment with this? Did you consult with expert pizza makers to train, not necessarily the robotics, but the pizza making process? Yeah, so we, we on our staff, our chief food scientist is uh, an individual who has been the chief of R&D for Little Caesars Pizza, also for Schwann's Foods, which is a major frozen pizza manufacturer. And so she's helped us understand not only the food science of how to handle different foods, but also the, the science of how do you make a good pizza, where if you put pepperoni on a pepperoni pizza, there's a certain number of slices on that. A Supreme Pizza also has pepperoni on it, but it doesn't have as much pepperoni on it because it's one of the flavors. It's not the primary flavor anymore. And so getting your proportion of the ingredients for which other ingredients are on the system, that's something that our system does. And I think that's something that, that's probably a, a difficult thing for somebody who's new on the job and lightly trained to realize that you're putting a different amount of ingredients on the pizza, uh, depending on what the ultimate order is. Are there certain toppings that the machine doesn't handle well, say, you know, anchovies or something like that. Um, sure. So our, you know, we're, we're a new company. We're just launching our commercial product right now. We're working with our early customers. Um, and our goal though, is to be able to handle any ingredients that the restaurant operator wants to have. We want to make their pizza. We're not going to force them to make a generic pizza that has our, our uh, specific ingredients. Um, but it's, it's, it's very challenging to get the wide variety of ingredients and the wide variety of ingredient form factors. So what we have, we have a list of the ingredients that we can handle now, both uh, type of ingredient as well as the form factor. For instance, right now we're doing diced vegetables. We're working on julienne vegetables. At some point we'll do sliced vegetables. So um, we're expanding our ingredient list all the time and that gets influenced by who are our customers, what are they asking for? But we're expanding that. That's one of our, our research uh, and development vectors is to keep increasing that. But yes, yeah, some ingredients are, are more difficult than others. Uh, some are pretty easy. Diced cheese is easier than shredded cheese. Uh, diced vegetables are easier than julienne vegetables. Some ingredients sit in brine. Um, some ingredients uh, have a lot of fluid that comes off of it that just during the day as it sits in a refrigerated hopper, you have to drain that. So there's a lot of very specialized uh, handling, really big learning curve on uh, how to handle these ingredients. And we've been working on this for four years. So we've got quite a bit of experience and we see ourselves as the clear leader in knowing how to handle these ingredients and how to get them distributed properly on the pizza. Uh, playing devil's advocate, I would also imagine that there's some portion of the pizza eating public that finds 
robotic pizza automation to be either less than artisanal or authentic or maybe even sterile. How do you combat those objections? Have you guys done, say, A-B testing on uh, taste tests on human versus machine-made pizza? We, we've talked about that. We'd love to do that because here's the thing with pizza. Pizza is, is the, main, the main things that make a great pizza, obviously fresh, high-quality ingredients, a very high-quality dough that's probably been proofed over a long period of time, and then how is it cooked? And here's the thing with our system. We're not choosing the ingredients. We don't prepare the dough. We don't cook the pizza. All we're doing is assembling the pizza. And so we believe that if we were up against, you know, name your, your celebrity pizza chef, same ingredients, we can make just as good of a pizza uh, as, as any chef can if we start with the same raw materials, because all we're doing is assembling it. And there are those who say, oh, there's magic in how the ingredients are placed. Um, I think we, we would challenge that. Um, it's, it's an assembled pizza. The, the toppings go on the, on the crust in a certain order. We can do it in any order you want. Um, we think we can make just as good of a pizza as anybody in the world. I, I suspect that when people hear you speak, they will think to themselves, yes, conceptually, this is very simple, but not an easy problem to solve for. It's, it's a very challenging problem. I can tell you that. And, and, um, but we think it's a worthy one. And what we've seen just since we, we launched, we, we've done no marketing. All we've done is some press releases. Our launch uh, in October of 2019, um, we did a press release that we were launching. We did a demo at the Smart Kitchen Summit in Seattle. Um, our launch materials got two and a half billion views worldwide. Um, we've had well over a thousand unsolicited inquiries from all over the world. Um, lots of people are seeing our system. They know that there's nothing like it and they know that this is something they want. In fact, a remarkable number of those thousand inquiries are from people who aren't even in the pizza business, but they can immediately see the utility of the system and see how having the system would enable them to be in the pizza business and run a very profitable operation. We recently hosted a food and bev roundtable here with investors and operators in the sector. And there were a few salient themes that were present, the most notable of which is that labor costs are rising and that there is in general inflationary pressures um, with respect to labor costs in the market. And I'm wondering to what extent uh, this issue or the issue of labor more broadly has been you know, an, an impetus for creating Picnic. Um, like I say, I think the working conditions and the labor conditions in food service in general is, a, is an impetus for automation in food service. Um, before COVID, uh, National Restaurant Association last year said there were 800,000 open food service jobs in the U.S. And people, journalists would challenge us, oh, isn't this going to steal jobs? And our response is, we're not stealing jobs, we're stealing job openings. In fact, a local TV station did an interview and they didn't realize that. And on their way back to the studio, they were actually able to film all the help wanted signs in almost every restaurant they passed. It, it was a real labor crisis pre-COVID. Now, post-COVID, the labor crisis really hasn't gone away, even though it's a lot of uh, unemployed food service workers. The working conditions aren't really safe. Uh, consumers want contact-free food prep. And a lot of people are just, you know, food service jobs are just not all that attractive. Um, we don't think that labor problem is going to go away, either from availability standpoint, and obviously the cost situation is just getting uh, more and more challenging for operators. The, the, the second thing that came out of our roundtable is that you know, their ability, the investors and the operators, their ability to capture customer insights in the form of data is critical to product feedback and development. And I would ask beyond pizza toppings and, and what that might say about the person ordering the pizza, 
what types of other data are you able to collect that lend itself well to new product development? Yeah, so I would say, you know, it to some extent it is all about the toppings. Um, if you take the, the fast growing trendy pizza brands, um, Mod Pizza, Blaze Pizza, Pyology, they use what I'd call a Chipotle style ordering where you walk in and you order a style of pizza and then you tell the, the person behind the counter what you want, at least that's what you did before COVID. Um, that's a that's a nice social way to order a pizza. The challenge with that is the operator is you actually at the end of the day have no idea what kind of pizzas people have ordered. You have no idea what combinations they requested. You have no idea if they like what they got or or uh, if that was a good combination for them. And if you're the customer and you go in and you use a script and you order exactly the same thing ten times, you'll get ten different pizzas because of the the subjectivity of what the operator is putting on that pizza. What our system is doing is digitizing what's been a completely manual process. So you're getting precise ideas about ingredient consumption for inventory management, but also what are customer preferences. And because it's all electronic and you can use a mobile ordering system and link it to your loyalty system, you can create a profile. The customer can give you feedback on what the combination was. The system can suggest other combinations that they might like the flavor profile for. You can give them nutrition information. You can get a wealth of information about customer preferences and you can start steering your menu in more favorable combinations that the customers like and you've got a much better insight. Plus you've got a lot of inventory data that's helping you manage your inventories much better. Um, a lot of restaurants have gone out of business with food spoiling in the walk-in because they bought too much of the wrong ingredient, didn't consume it, it, it aged out. They had to throw it away, huge source of food waste. So you can have a much more efficient operation in addition to producing the product with much less labor and much less food waste. Yeah, it sounds almost like an integrated sales and operations planning and production toolkit all, all in one. Exactly, um, it's really enabling a lot of other efficiencies that you, can, that you can put into your operation. And this is going into an industry where the margins are so low, um, if you could have an impact on the margin, adding a few points, you're getting a multiple of what they previously had. You know, an average pizza restaurant has about a five point margin. If you can give them a few points, you can double their margin uh, very easily. The, the price tag when it comes to robotics has traditionally been high. Many robotics upstarts are trying to accelerate the deployment of their technology by offering it as a service because ongoing costs are more digestible than large upfront ones. And how do you guys charge your customers and what's the typical ROI for them? Yeah, so we, our, our system is very similar. We call it robotics as a service. So we sign the customer to a term contract, typically three years. The customer pays a monthly fee, um, which ranges between $2,500 and $4,000 a month as a typical budget range. And for that, they get the use of the system, hardware and software. They also get maintenance and support. And within the product family, they'll get upgrades. And since we're a new company, we're constantly improving the product. We believe they'll have a better system at the end of their term than they did at the start. And because our system is modular, we're not replacing the entire system because we upgrade it. We can upgrade individual subsystems. We can put a new slicer blade that is, is a better slicer blade that stays sharper longer. Um, we can change a, a, uh, any other of the components as we improve them at a very modest cost to us, but we can keep making the system better for these operators. The operators who buy now with our limited ingredient set can expect their ingredient range to increase over the life of the system. And in terms of ROI, our, our, that pricing that I just told you, that's roughly the cost of a full-time minimum wage employee with benefits. Uh, most of the operators we talk to believe they're gonna save more than two uh, off of their schedule. And 
not to mention the other savings that they're going to get. So we expect them to be cash flow positive with this from month one. So there really is no payback. They start saving money immediately. And what kind of venues are you deployed in today? Um, so we have deployed as a on pilot installations. We were at T-Mobile Park, uh, both during baseball season and during the Enchant Winter Carnival, where we made 1,900 pizzas with a single operator. Um, we also were at Las Vegas Convention Center during CES uh, 2019, where we made pizza on the show floor for uh, something the uh, center plates at XO uh, never would have tried without our system. They said it would have looked like a war zone. There would have been food everywhere. And instead, it was a very clean operation. They predicted we'd make 30 pizzas a day. We made 150 pizzas a day. We were actually named to two different best of CES lists, even though we were just there supporting Sodexo. We weren't actually uh, uh, exhibiting at the show. Um, we're now installing at our launch customer, which is a 10 site uh, franchisee with a 10, 10 item menu. Um, that's going to be announced in the next few weeks. It's in Southern California. We're talking to a number of, of other independent operators. And then we have strong interest from big customers in three different areas, pizza brands, uh, food service contractors, and convenience stores. So the largest brands in all three of those categories are actively interested in deployments. I wanted to focus on the user experience for, for one second. Large venues like stadiums and concerts have obviously been hit hard because of COVID. And if you had to describe the end user experience, meaning the, the person who eats the pizza, how would you envision that when the world reopens? Are they, are they ordering pizza in the middle of the second quarter and then getting it when it's ready? What does that look like from your point of view? Great question. I, yeah, I think the, the sports arena and stadium food service experience is one of the worst customer experiences. It's, it's not the fault of the operators, but it's just the circumstance. Um, you pay a lot of money to get into the, into the uh, venue. Then you've got to leave the event that you paid a lot of money to see to go stand in a line and get some food that's made by seasonal workers and then find your way back to your seat. And you probably miss half an hour of, of the event you came to see. Um, really not great. So uh, with a system like ours, it would enable you to order on your way in or from your seat. The system could tell you exactly when your when your order is going to be ready. You can go in and pick it up from a from a contact free pickup cabinet, and you can just go pick up your food and go right back to your seat. Much different experience. Um, we're also looking at some uh, some of the newer arenas, which are putting in uh, cashierless uh, uh, concession areas. And in that venue, it'll probably be more of a be making like personal pizzas for pickup, and they just pick it up and carry out in the cashierless. Uh, setting and so our system could just be tracking the inventory of what's what's in the in the serving cabinet for grab and go and if someone picks up a pepperoni personal pizza the system just automatically makes another one and you just keep replenishing uh depending on the order pattern whatever the demand is and you're just fulfilling uh back to that order looking beyond pizza for a moment uh, there have been there have been other companies in the in the space for example chowbotics the salad maker that i think was just purchased by doordash so clearly the market is is heating up is the vision for picnic to eventually move beyond pizza what other foods do you guys think about absolutely our system is really designed to make any food that you assemble so we're focused on pizza right now because we have a small team and we're a small company but we uh, ultimately know that our system will be very well adapted to making sandwiches, salads, bowls, tacos, any food that you assemble. Um, our system that can put sauce on a pizza dough, can easily put uh, mayonnaise or mustard on a, on a sandwich bun, um, very similar concept. We've been, we've had discussions with some large operators who are very interested in the sandwich space. Um, fresh sandwiches are a challenge, especially in a grab and go environment, because the standard right now is a, is a long shelf life 
sandwich that has a you know condiment packages inside the wrapper that you have to kind of assemble your own sandwich. If you want to make a fresh sandwich that has a short shelf life, you have to be making them continuously. And that's a job nobody wants to do. No one wants to start, stand at a walk-in and make sandwiches all day. So it's a perfect application for automation. I think salads is another place where um, uh, it's a, it would be an obvious application for our system. Uh, the fact that Chowbotics was bought by DoorDash, we don't obviously know what their plans are, but you know the whole ghost kitchen market, um, the, the these production facilities that are getting separated from traditional restaurants are uh, going to be very powerful uh, economic engines with very high margins. And the beauty of our system is our system can make different foods on the same production line. You know, you could configure it where you could have one order that's a pizza. The next order that goes down the line is a salad and the next order that goes down the line is a sandwich or even multiple brands of pizza made on the same line because you have different ingredients made at different stations totally modular totally configurable and you can see how attractive that would be in a ghost kitchen setting you know very low labor high volume consistent food output um, and variety as well Peyton, well we're we've come to the end here and i wanted to Thank you for giving us and our listeners a preview of the kitchen of the future. Um, sounds like it's going to be considerably better, certainly than my kitchen, I would imagine many other of our listeners. So thank you and, and best of luck to you and the company going forward. Thanks for the opportunity, John. Really appreciate it.